0: Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday. And we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast we're following up on uh, Micah 6, 1 through 8, uh, kind of a very uh, popular scripture from the Old Testament. A lot of people are familiar with that, um, but uh, we're going to take a closer look uh, at it here and maybe uh, find some things that we haven't found. Mm-hmm. Well, see. Mm-hmm.
1: well I, again, I think a lot of folks have picked up the last verse 8, and that's become the if you call it popular verse, that becomes the, the scripture the memory verse. It becomes I'd never heard the choir song this morning from Micah six eight. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a different song that rings in my head that we used to sing right. uh, from Micah six eight. Uh, but I don't. I, I don't. I'm not sure how many folks have read the rest of Micah mm-hmm. uh, and maybe picked up some of the things. Micah was probably the prophet to the prophets as well as the prophet to the leaders as well as a prophet to the people, um, because he really called his colleagues out. Uh, he called them out and said that you are uh, uh, you are not being faithful to what you were called to do or to say. Uh, you're doing it for personal gain. You're doing it out of personal ambition, uh, and even uh, spoke to it about the fact that they were doing some, quote, prophesying, quote, unquote, and a fortune-telling mm-hmm. paid money kind of scenario and uh, that what they were saying uh, what they were saying was meant to be pleasing to the people rather than a prophetic word from god now a prophetic word from god does not always mean it's not pleasing but a lot of times a prophetic word of god it's not a. I i mean people get that confused that word prophecy confused so much it's not about fortune telling it's not about coming and telling about the future uh, it, it sometimes it's a, the best definition i've ever heard is a forth telling mm-hmm. of what could happen if you continue in this path then this judgment will come to you if if you consider that future telling then then i guess maybe it is but i i i just it's, it's not, not like predicting no. when jesus is coming back or that this is going to happen or you know israel is going to invade yeah, right.
0: whatever. It's like all things considered, this is this is where you're headed mm-hmm. if you continue to do this. This right. is the kind of natural extrapolation of your behavior mm-hmm. in some way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: As we've probably parents have done with their kids. If you continue in this, not I'm gonna punish you, but you know, I would say if you don't study, you're not going to make it through this grade. And then I would go on to say, and then you will flunk out of school, and you will become a drug yeah. addict, and then you'll be in prison. <laughs> so if you don't study for this test, you're going to oh, end up in prison. My.
1: Well, Let's uh, go back, Randy. Okay, let's go back here to, to the <laughs> prophet Mike. Uh, he's one of the minor prophets, and the difference between the major and the minor prophets really has got to do with the length of the books attributed mm-hmm. to them. And this book of Micah is fairly short. Um, Jonah gets attention because it's the belly of the whale becomes the story that's Mm -hmm. told.
2: Sadly, that's what gets remembered. It is,
1: right. Uh, And Micah uh, becomes of this verse of Scripture. Because it's pretty clean, what does the Lord require of thee Mm -hmm. but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God? Um, And I think for those folks that are searching for what it means to be... I, I don't like to throw these words around, but I'm tired and I don't have a better one. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be, to be a, a, a true, solid person of faith, to take it seriously, to honor that commitment to discipleship, um, certainly three steps uh, are clean and pretty clear, and that's what makes it, I think, so, quote, popular, unquote. Um, but he reflects on the continued story of the value of, of leadership. Uh, God makes reference to the leaders of Moses and Aaron and Miriam that he had provided. And certainly, again, not in a critical aspect, because I, I don't think I could have done any better. But the kings that were chosen to lead were certainly an assorted lot. Uh, and most of the time were operating from their own how can i get wealthy how can i stay in power perspective rather than uh and many times they succumbed to the outside gods uh and were actually following those gods rather Mm -hmm. than the lord god of whose nation they were supposed to be leading
2: and Uh, i think that that sometimes is a fear of our people um and i'm talking about present day people um that um I heard somebody say something this morning about um, um, how people in our society are acting, and um, you know we begin to think: Are we uh, are we acting on our God, or are we acting on um, uh, society's version of our God? And uh, which is, in a sense, what you were talking about. Um, their society was a mixed society with lots of gods. And, you know, ours is too. Uh, we just, some of it is below the surface. Um, so and uh, we continue to struggle with that.
1: I, I, I mentioned a couple of things, and I certainly could have went on and on about the gods of today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the god of pleasure is, mm-hmm. is a major foreign god. Uh, that we often find our the god of money the god of stuff uh, the god of entitlement the God uh, of
2: of judgment I mean we just feel like we've got it all and and so we're gonna look down maybe that's um, uh, can't get the right word there um, just us feeling so condescending maybe that's it
1: I think sometimes that is is. It's more an Sometimes it's condescending. Sometimes it's more of a of a proof text to us that we are good enough. Yeah. Or it's a proof sure. text to mm-hmm. us that we're better than somebody else. And as long as we're better than somebody else, then we must be all right. And, and that becomes the challenge in there, I think. Um,
2: were you going to um, get to uh, – you talked about um, Balak and Balaam. Were you going to get to those or –
1: yeah, no. I, I, well, again, I wanted to come back because I don't believe I put the uh, scripture in the bulletin notes. I, okay. I don't have the bulletin in front of me, so I don't remember. Okay. But the story of Balak and Balaam is in Numbers twenty-two and twenty-three, and f- for me, that's always been a story I remembered reading because of uh, the the what God did. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's as good of a. St- I don't know if it's as good of a story as the uh, of uh, as the uh, redemption of the children from Egypt, but it's an amazing story mm-hmm. about how God turned somebody who was given direction and who uh, to really put a curse on the children of Israel, and and uh, again, I read it last night from the McComlin English Bible, and so uh, the NIV reads just a bit differently, but um, it was basically going to be bribed by Balak, uh, because the sheer numbers of the children of Israel is whats what, is what caught the Pharaoh's attention in Egypt, Mm -hmm. and the reason they drove them deeper into slavery and deeper into punishment and deeper into unrealistic expectations, it was a fear of their sheer numbers. Mm -hmm. And I read in here that uh, basically uh, Balak had the same fear, the sheer numbers of the children of Israel, and so he was gonna bribe somebody to try to cause disfavor to come to them, and it, it really backfired. Uh, I'm not sure how many of the children of Israel knew that story. Obviously, everybody that left Egypt clearly knew that story. I'm not sure how many, unless they were students of the scrolls, if you would, uh, how many knew the story about Balak and Balaam. But that donkey speaking has always caught my attention. and not just because a donkey speaks, but because God can use. Because anything. God uses it. It's it, my my comment has always been. I understand how easily I can be replaced yeah. by a rock or a donkey if I don't want to. If I don't want to honor God, um, but it makes it makes. Uh, it, it creates just a, a holy sense of fear and trembling that uh, – because as I read the scriptures here, there was a fine hair of line someplace that Balaam crossed over because God told him to go ahead and go, and he would give him direction. Now, whether Balaam decided on his own when he was going to go, if that's where God's disfavor was, uh came upon him but he did something out of alignment with what god's plan and will was and that's the reason there was uh, someone standing in the road that balaam couldn't see with a sword ready to strike him down um i find that interesting I, it's been so long since i've actually dug deep into this that i don't remember uh all of those details of that but uh again um so go
2: f- back and read,
0: folks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, why do you think that? Um, why do you think that Micah puts these two stories side by side, the Exodus and um, and the story of Balaam, Balak, and you know, what's the why? Those two. Um, um,
1: I think it was. Uh, be- I-, I-, I think as God told him to tell them this it was the re- to remind them of what he had done for them mm-hmm. uh, just like uh, again I, I didn't get to the shittim to Gilgah uh, or to um, yeah. Gilga yeah. this morning but it really was the journey through Egypt mm-hmm. um, and uh, they it, we just forget I think sometimes, even if we ourselves have walked a journey, we forget what the journey is like, or how we get through it,
2: and how God um, um, bailed them out. I mean, how God walked with them in both of those circumstances, and not just in those spe- specific times, but through the whole journey.
0: Right. And know? I think you you hit on it earlier. One of these is very uh, is a very public event um, that mm-hmm. everyone was involved in, mm-hmm. and one was not an incredibly public event, very mm-hmm. private event. So kind of spanning, I think the The breadth of experience for people like this is a private moment here uh, that had very major impact for a nation and this is a very public uh, you know situation that had impact for a nation as Mm -hmm. well and Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's great to see both of those called out I Mm -hmm. think both ends of um, human experience one that is you know very very communal one that is you know, it has communal impact, but is very, very one person mm-hmm. really, two mm-hmm. people, yeah. um, kind yeah. of a situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: and sometimes I wonder because uh, the priests were the ones responsible for retelling these stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If uh, that yeah. that story of Balaam and Balak was not really directed towards them, and that's just all speculation, mm-hmm. but really directed towards them, because they probably would have heard that story of God's deliverance even more than the average person, mm-hmm. uh, the, the average uh, person in Israel would have heard that story.
2: Yeah, when um, um, when we are at annual conference and. Uh, and the bishop is preaching, which isn't like God speaking through a prophet, but it's the bishop preaching. <laughs> so, Bishop Beard, if you're listening, uh, yeah. I'd, anyway, um, there are there are times when the bishop says something that we clergy know that that's for us, <laughs> in terms of a specific. You know what I mean, Randy? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know a specific kind of obedience and. Um, to the appointment process or to patients in the church or to uh, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those – I just wonder if those priests heard that. I mean, that touches me uh, in a particularly vulnerable spot when God is saying, uh, you religious types, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, you're fooling your people here. You know? Well, even if You're they arrogant. heard it, it You're... was just for a
1: season because right. they were eventually taken off into captivity uh, because of disobedience. So um, uh, it always causes me to pause as as somebody who's been in ministry for a long time. It causes me to pause and say, am I doing this right? Right. And what I speaking, is it correct? Right. Is it what God once said rather than getting caught up? Because... You know, sometimes we try to to help people by by pleasing them. I I, I don't think it's real easy to get into. I, I don't think that I particularly have worked at uh, trying to please people over the years, but there are days when I honestly just don't want to upset people for the fun of it. Uh, <laughs> you know, and sometimes that just needs to happen that way. And um, so anyway.
2: Well, and and um, these priests wanted the, uh, sacrifices, they wanted the offerings, um, not just be not, I shouldn't say not just, not because the people, not because of the people's faith, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, um, I think they had lost sight of that too, uh, about what the real reason for the sacrifices were. And so, um, You know, this wasn't a passage that I preached, I'm working on another passage, but I I was thinking about the significance of, uh, how many was it, 10,000 rivers of olive oil or Mm -hmm. or whatever. I wonder what that significance is behind the number. I mean, obviously it's an an, an, an unending kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But, you know, that, that they were saying, you know, we'll give you all we've got, but that's not what God wants. It, then, because in, this, in the meantime, they are treating people horribly, and they right. have systems that are uh, holding people down. Right. Sounds familiar.
1: It um, it translates to us today. And that was, again, I, um, I, I wish I would have spent a bit more time on that, what that translates into the day for us, mm. what the rams, what the burnt offerings translate to us. Because I think that today we still deal with a works, faith, grace issue. Mm-hmm. And that if we, uh, um, how much do I need to put under the offering plate? What's the minimum? Okay. Mm-hmm. What's the minimum thing I need to do so I'm, I'm in good? I'm, God and I are good. Missing the point that it is completely about faith and trust in Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. And then we begin to look at what happens when we uh, live that out mm-hmm. so
2: we have um in fact in, uh, in a little while we're gonna have a leadership meeting and and uh, in that um the vision will be cast yet again and and we talk about it calvary we talk about what makes a disciple and we talk about worship wisdom and works um, and and that can easily be seen as a works righteousness kind of thing but that's a description You know, um, if you want to grow as a disciple, this is what it takes. It's not a checklist of, okay, I've done this, I've done this, I'm in now, you know. Um, And and that can be found, uh, is that on the website, Isaac? You can, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can let us know if you don't find it, but it's on the website, I think. Um, And and I, I thought about that as you were talking about works righteousness. I thought, you know, that's... It's not even about um, going to home sweet home. I'm going to spend my night in the car Friday night uh, at home for home sweet home. Wow, I did that. Okay, that's my acts of mercy. Um, you know, you know, what I mean, it's it's not about mm-hmm. that. It's about um, um, not trying to buy your way in. Um, and and we've seen today the injustices in society. Um, in so many ways right now it's women and man you know our heart breaks for all of that that's going going on
1: what breaks my heart even i mean it breaks my heart for women when we're talking about all of the athletic stuff all of the gymnastic stuff but when that stuff happens in the church there Uh. is a I hope it's holy, but I'm not really sure sometimes whether, how holy my anger is that arises over that kind of stuff happening right. in the church. And uh, it, um, uh, having lived in a different world for a season and seeing some things, I uh, it really, it, it just infuriates me. So um, we need to so. think
2: about how we can um, look at justice issues, and people will say, well, I'm not that kind of a Christian. I don't—well— we all are that kind of a Christian when it comes to uh, social justice and, and uh, what it means. I have um, just in the last six months or so uh, learned more about um, uh, like the Medicaid system and how um, you know if if you if you don't work then you can receive benefits. If you work but you don't work enough, you can't get a good enough job then you make less than you would, and you lose benefits. You know what I mean? So that system is broken. How can we as the church step in? Obviously, the relationship um, sometimes between men and women um, is broken, as we've seen highly publicized. And, and women don't speak out because of the fear of being um, blamed for it Mm -hmm. um what else is out there i mean there's a lot out there there's a lot out there but i think we christians go well i really can't do anything about that maybe i'm guilty of that i can't do anything about that so if anybody comes to me i'll be supportive but if they don't i can't help Mm -hmm. um so i i don't know what other justice issues are out there but um i think we really need to to think about how the church acts responds to that
1: well you know that's what i what i appreciated i what was it yesterday we were up in yeah. in the cities and we're talking a little bit about how we came to our call or how we came to our church or yeah. how we, what our faith journey was and uh i think that uh Part of that faith journey, uh, my mind just went blank. I have no idea where I was going That's
2: part that. of what you like about being United Methodist. That was one of the that's questions. That's right. That, that's what I like what about... What is it that you like about being a United Methodist? About
1: being a United Methodist um, is that uh, John Wesley yeah. had a passion for social justice, and it was intimately tied with the gospel of Jesus Absolutely. Christ. And um, I, 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 I appreciate that.
2: It's easy to go back and look at... Um, at Micah's time and say, how could godly people allow such injustice or how could they be a part of such injustice? And people are gonna look back on us in a thousand years or a hundred years and say, How could they allow such mm-hmm. injustice? Did did Christians just stand around and let it happen? I mean you know, a generation is coming up that that knows about the Holocaust only. Well, we know about the Holocaust only by reading about it. And how, how could that have happened? You know, so um, that that's one of the things that I think we
0: mm-hmm.
2: probably do poorly. Mm-hmm. But then you were you were talking about the um, Acts of Mercy, and we talked about um, putting that in um, Thursdays. Who was my neighbor? I believe. Didn't you ask me to do that? I think so. We talked about that. Um, and um, that's more than just doing a good deed, my friends. Um, that's that's caring about somebody in the name of Jesus. Um,
1: and so I, I, I said at, at one point or at one service, I don't know if I said it at all three. But my intention was to add, add a couple more acts of kindness or acts of mercy to the list that was in the bulletin. Yeah. So I got a couple more. I just dotted down here, and then okay, um, we probably need to wind up and get ready to the to the leadership training. But another act of mercy or kindness would be just picking up a phone and calling somebody. Um, uh, When you see somebody, and this is one I really meant to bring into this morning and I I didn't. When you see somebody standing off by themselves in the atrium on a Sunday morning or at a first Wednesday on a Wednesday night or even on a Wednesday night when all this other stuff is going on, that's when an act of mercy is to walk up to them and just begin to speak to them. Now, I understand. That's not every. Not everybody is given the, lonely, the gift of gab.
2: What the, but long, the church can be the loneliest place when you are in a crowd right. of people and nobody's and talking so, to
1: you. And uh, so, the other thing you can do is uh, pick a neighbor in your neighborhood, uh, if you're a baker, and just take him a plate of cookies. Just, just to say in Jesus' name, or better yet, maybe you just leave it on their doorstep. Um, but in in Jesus' name, I just wanted to bless your day. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you know um, what I,
2: I would appreciate is, uh, except that you wash my car, is after all the snow and sludge, um, wash somebody's windows. If they, if you come across a car that's slimed up like mine was, wash their windows mm-hmm. when they're in the, where in the when they're in the store, and then watch their car alarm go off. I guess right. Maybe that wouldn't be that's a good crazy. idea. Yeah, that's probably
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know. yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike is six eight, Very. I mean, it's just one of those texts that, that sticks with you, uh, I think, and I think for good reason. Mm -hmm. And so to continue to ruminate on that and meditate on that is always good practice. We'll have some things throughout the week that can help you, um, do that. Um, and as Randy said, a list that'll happen uh, toward the end. So check that out. And, um, Uh, we're glad that you've been listening today if you have any questions or comments we'd love to interact with you and you can do that uh, either on facebook or email or the website or however you want to get a hold of us we'll uh we'll we'll find you you'll find us (laughs) and we'll be back next week uh, with a deeper dive into i believe psalm 84 84 and uh,
2: the altars that we can build
0: yep so it'll be a fun a fun time for sure until then grace and peace